Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Humanly. It's Daniel Reuters here, and today I'm joined by Amanda Volmer. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Nice to be here again. Yeah, it's great to have you back. For many of my listeners, you probably don't need much of an introduction, but for anyone who's never heard Amanda speak before, I think you're in for a real treat because she's extremely knowledgeable. Um, So you've got a degree in naturopathic medicine, which you got from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. You got a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Biotech from um, University of Lethbridge. You're a professional holistic health practitioner and you've been helping people heal for about 15 years. Um, I hope I got that right. Was there anything that you wanted to add to that or you're happy with that intro? Uh, yeah, I mean, I um, I am a, a hands-on creator. I, I invent and create um, skincare products, and um, I've invented all sorts of creams, lotions, soaps, um, salves, you name it. I'm a wild crafter, so I do. Like right now, I'm you know I go out to the field and I and I wild craft the medicine and I dry it. I'm making a lot of tinctures right now. I'm doing a lot of dried herbs for the teas that I produce. And it's a constant um, just synergy of, of medicine that I'm very interested in, uh, including blending it with DMSO. And so I've written a book called Healing with DMSO as well. And uh, that is something I'm very passionate about, teach a lot about. I know we'll touch a little bit on that today. Uh, and uh, then I am also just creating on Yummy some courses, coursework and directive for people, because as a practitioner, and I'm sure you can relate uh, on some level, but the one-on-one works well, uh, except if you burn out and you are constantly in that position of giving and counseling and this people leaning on you to fix them, that sort of dynamic. And you can get pulled into sort of like a rescuer dynamic. I've had to really pull back and really relook at how we help people. And and I've come up with a way to train people or direct people into their own knowledge base and into their own directive. So they know how to you know, seek the answers and apply the treatments for themselves rather than always giving away their power to other practitioners and other sources. They feel they know what to do in emergencies or certain situations of detox and so forth. So that's where I'm, I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, it's amazing. And you're doing so much good work in that space. And just in that introduction, actually, you brought up two points that funnily enough, I wanted to speak about today and, and that word synergy. So from a, I've always found this really kind of a bit perplexing really, because in naturopathy and natural medicine, we have this understanding of the concept of synergy, which is that the, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So from a herbal medicine perspective, that's why we use plants, right? But if we were to take one single constituent from a herb uh, and adulterate it, we would call that a drug. But for some reason in nutritional medicine, we do the very same thing. We 
go to like an orange and we take out just the vitamin C and then we put it in a capsule and we call it natural and it's good for you and whatever. And we've sort of lost touch with that concept of synergy from a nutritional medicine perspective. So what's your take on using um, high doses of single nutrients, which are often synthetic and, and made in a lab somewhere by a really smart guy in a white coat and then labeled as a, a natural healthy uh, supplement that we can use to improve our health? Well, there are levels where people are at really. Um, what I found in, in all my time, you know, um, helping and trying to sort out situations of imbalance is that uh, I have to read or, or acknowledge where that person is. And oftentimes they're on a lot of medications and they are really stuck in the conventional paradigm of thinking that they need a doctor, they need a prescription, they need to pop pills, and this is their way. And um, I've had to adopt certain supplementation that I found worked and tweaked along the way, almost like um, a bridge maker, like, uh, okay, let's, <laughs> uh, you're pushing an action in the body that's quite strong, let's back that down. And allow the nutrition, you know, you're not eating well, you're not interested in changing your diet right away, or you can't because you're too sick. You're not understanding, I don't have the time or the luxury to explain to you synergy, how to eat all those things, those will come as documents that you can take time to learn. But in the right now, we're going to shift you off of these drugs, we're going to do some green allopathy right now, we're going to try to put back some of this key data basically for the body and make a correction. And then we're going to show you how this works. So we buy ourselves some time. So I use, I'll use certain supplements more like that. And I try to use things like herbal blends and, you know, uh, certain types of natural extracts that are as clear as possible, but, you know, we can still get effect by using like an IV vitamin C or some of these things. We're obviously still, um, understanding the body's quite intelligent, meaning say you did take out a constituent, you threw it in there. Well, it's you're not gonna go, oh my gosh, alert, alert. It's, it's probably going to either denature, get rid of it because it doesn't need it, or it's going to use the living structured waters that we have to envelop it and add it to whatever else it needs to be whole or you know, uh, mix it with something or add on something to make it worthwhile. Um, or it'll have a partial effect. It's not the full effect you would have wanted, but it's good enough. You see what I mean? Like there's, and there's like these arenas that we play in to get people to wholeness. And sometimes you can't shock them into it, or you can't just snap your fingers and they're transformed into eating health in a healthy way. They're still trapped in this pill mindset. And as you ease them out in this way, I find that they, they start to feel better and start to get more energy. And then you go, okay, now you don't need any of this. You don't need any of these things. What you need is your sunlight and your fresh air and you get outside and you drink your water and you fast. And here are the enemas that you do. And here are the things that you do for maintaining this beautiful form that needs to run itself electrically uh, and refine what you do. And uh, you don't really need any of these things unless 
for some reason, you're burning the candle at both ends again, and you're run down, and you didn't go outside, now your vitamin D levels are low, or what, you know what I mean? Like, if you have someone with serious scurvy, you're going to have to give them vitamin C right now, you know, <laughs> some level, and any vitamin C will probably save their life at that point. But, you know, it's a huge world, and it's a huge discussion, because there's, there's going to be arguments on all sides of it. So I think we have ideals where the ideal is we shouldn't have any of it. Ultimately, nothing needs to come from a pill. Ultimately, we will grow our own food. We will make our own extracts. We will use fermentation products for our milieu. You know, we will do this, but at the same time, we have all kinds of lessons and learning and interactions with people and stubborn people and stories upon stories upon stories. And what I've learned is you just adapt to it and, and that somehow whatever they're going to go through with that, it's going to take them to another level of knowledge and understanding of their body. And as a practitioner, you're going to help them through that kind of thing. So yeah, it's not black and white for sure, (laughs) but I agree. Synthetic is not (laughs) what you're after. Um, and you're trying to get that synergy of the medicine. So you are really able to lift yourself, but not everybody wants to shine right away. Not everybody is emotionally there or mentally there. They're not comfortable with actually feeling good. And that was one of the things I was really shocked about when starting this journey that a lot of people, they, they're addicted to pain, they're addicted to the suffering or the victimhood story or, or even the name of their disease that's, that's like an identifier of who they've become, you know, these kinds of attachments. So you're also working with the psychology as well, wow. right? So that's a long-winded answer there, but I hope that made sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And um, I agree with many aspects of that. And I think from my experience, people get trapped in thinking that they can just keep doing what they're doing in their life, but I'm taking my multivitamin. So it's okay. I can still do all the wrong things. But then when another symptom comes, Oh, I better take another supplement. And it just compounds and compounds to the point where I've had people over the years, walk into the clinic with shopping bags full of supplements. And they think that they're doing something good for themselves, but they've never taken those additional steps that you were talking about to move forward down that journey of, of healing and, and um, yeah, dealing with those various aspects that are actually keeping them in that diseased state. Very common. I've had that story many times where, you know, someone comes in with the shopping bags and you're like, Whoa, we're going to go through all your supplements. Okay. Wow. This is why. And, and, and you have to ask them, okay, what got you here? And why? So why do you think you're taking this? For what purpose? And what I've done almost in a consultation style is is break down all the supplements for them. And I don't want them to waste it necessarily, unless it's real garbage. Like I mean, FDNC colors and all kinds of fillers. And that's literally garbage. You don't take that. But if they paid, you know, 50, 60 bucks for a supplement and there's some potential, we could squeeze some value out of that there for you, you know? Um, then I, I design them like a step-by-step process where they're not taking it all at once. They're, they're working on an action. So 
oh, oh, you have this milk thistle and you have this uh, enzyme, digestive enzyme and you have this probiotic. Like I notice you have some like a gut package here. <laughs> okay. Why don't you just do a gut package and just that while you're, you know, changing your regime, take out wheat and this and just see how you feel and then write some stuff down, you know, and, and, and it gets them aware of themselves. So I can use that you know, for them, for their benefit, but that's pretty much what I have to do in, in those cases and tell them that most of what they purchased probably was unnecessary really. And that, um, then are they better? I mean, usually you go, well, why are you here? I mean, you're taking all this stuff. You're not better. You're here obviously. So something's wrong. And then once they sort it out, they really, we refine it down to like topical magnesium some occasional colloidal silver, you know, and they have like their and the MSO for injuries and acne and whatever. And, and they have their, their common things that they'll go to or their tissue salts or something like that. And, and that's about it. Um, everything else becomes not, an, you don't need that full stack in your kitchen where you have one. Now I have that because I experiment with all kinds of stuff. I even take, I'll even take them and and break them down and melt them down and add DMSO. I'm like, I tinker with a lot of stuff. So that's, so my, if you look at my cupboard, <laughs> what the hell is this? but I've, a, I'm a creator. So I use a lot of these things. Right. Um, but uh, not for your, your, your day to day, you need to know what you're doing and why, why are you taking it? What is your goal? When do you stop a to B? And I usually say, Six months, get this corrected, check in every day. Do you need it? How are you feeling? Are we, are we there? Now we lean down off that and now you take it over with food and lifestyle from going forward. You, you use it as a corrective and orthomolecular, same idea. You use it as a corrective. It's not, you're not going to be high dose niacin, niacin, you know, for years and years, unless you have severe schizophrenia or something, right? Um, and there are states where it's warranted because they are so far gone. Now this is a this is a deliberate intervention where you are you are trying to push the metabolism a certain way. You are trying to um, force the body almost to go a certain way. So it's more it's more allopath. That's what's the green allopathy approach, right? But it's less harmful, obviously, than a lot of the suppressive drugs. So, so I'm saying there's this, and I guess that's the functional medicine. I guess that's locked into sort of that functional medicine space, right? Poison. So we're just going to give you a different kind of thing that lowers your cholesterol, but not understanding you don't need to lower your cholesterol at all. <laughs> you know, you just need to clean up the blood and it goes away. So, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a shame that we're living in a, in a society and, and such a lifestyle that people can get to that state of poor health, because ideally what we want to try and do is, is prevent that from happening. Now you were mentioning DMSO and I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that because years ago I was treating someone who was uh, very ill and they asked me about DMSO. And this was before I'd been exposed to any of your work. Um, we're probably talking close to eight or nine years ago now. And I did some looking into it and I was like, oh, I, I can't really find anything on the internet. It sort of seems like a bit of a 
wood solvent or something they use in, in building products. And I was like, look, if you want to take it, you can, but I don't know anything about it. So I can't make a recommendation either way. And I thought it was interesting that I couldn't find anything on the internet. It seemed like the information about using it therapeutically was almost suppressed in a way, or it was very, very difficult to find. So would you be able to talk a little bit about DMSO? Um, because I don't know a whole lot about it. I've seen some of the things that you've posted about and looked into it a little bit, but yeah, very keen to find out a little bit more. What is it? When do you use it? How do you use it? There's a really, when I was writing Healing with DMSO, there was a book that I, I bought all the books I could find. And you're right. There's not a lot enough where I could have to, $2,000 was my advance from the publisher. And I didn't even, I think I spent $1,500 on buying all of the DMSO books I could find in English. And that means there wasn't really that many because one of them was like from the annals of New York, <laughs> you know, the conference that they, they pulled together on DMSO. And that was like a $400 book, just that one. So, um, and there's a lot of, this is happening a lot with our books, our rare books, by the way, where we're, we're really losing access to the, the materials themselves. You can get them like PDF, but getting hard copies becoming more challenging. Uh, and there's one book called The Persecuted Drugs. It's called DMSO, The Persecuted Drug. And it tells the tale of DMSO from its identification all the way through the FDA regulation and its scandals and things. Um, and it just shows you the soap opera <laughs> that is the modern medicine cartel and how they play games really uh, with researchers who want to understand a substance and who want to utilize it as a drug because they actually categorized it as a drug back then. Um, it has specific action, so therefore, right? And they, uh, it was on the heels of the thalidomide uh, controversy and they had sort of half approved it and it was more in a lot of was going on in the UK as well. But, um, you know, now they were really, I think they used that as an excuse. That's what I think happened. They, they're like, oh, thalidomide turned out to, you know, have flipper babies being born. So I think we should just stop everything from moving forward now. And it's so convenient for us to do it because, DMSO is getting hyped. Right. And, and, and so all the researchers had to shut their labs. They weren't allowed to continue to use it. And this is, you know, back in the seventies, basically. And there's, um, there was a 60 minutes documentary with, um, I think it was, there were a few researchers involved, um, but I think it was mainly Stanley Jacob who was speaking and sort of telling that story of how the FDA came down on him and his lab. And this is back when you actually could have truthful reporting. So it had a shaky start really, um, politically so. And, um, and also it is a really powerful substance that a lot of laboratories uh, use because it helps preserve organ tissues for freezing without damaging the cell structure by, you know, causing ice crystals. That's major. I mean, if you can 
freeze tissues and organs without damage. So when you thaw them out, they are just as pristine as they were going in. Mm. That's, that's a pretty miraculous <laughs> solvent you've got there. And it's way better, obviously, than alcohols or, or many of the resins, which will usually alter tissue at least uh, electrically or at least um, in a pH capacity. So this was one of their first big uses. That's where uh, Dr. Stanley Jacobs really quite interested in it because that was his field of study. And that, so it was born through basically the UK, actually it was Russian scientists first, then it went through the UK and then it went into America. Um, and he, he still has Jacobs, he's dead now, but he, the Jacobs labs still in existence. And uh, there's a lot of scientific data on that website as well. And that one started to research too, because I didn't learn about it naturally by the college either. I mean, it was a blip in our sports medicine, uh, like one day. And I, you know, if you miss that day, you don't even hear about it at all. <laughs> so, or if you didn't get your notes from your buddy, that's it. You, it was one mention it's used in sports medicine, very popular for football and soccer and all of these sports because you have a baller down hard, potentially coma. They're treating with DMSO. The coma is not even an issue at that point. And they can get them right back on the field again. Um, So this is from like, you're down, you're maybe passed out and you're back on the field, you know, (laughs) in an hour, less than an hour, half an hour or something. So they realized that potential power. In fact, it really needs to be listened. We need to hear the wisdom of these trees again, because um, this extract, usually from pine, uh, is very important for emergency medicine first aid. And especially if you have a child who's in sports um, and you want to, I mean, I have a girl and she's not interested in heavy sports, um, but if I did have a a child that (laughs) was, you know, running into people and knocking heads. And I would be so concerned about brain damage and uh, neurological issues and so forth. And I, if I knew about DMSO every time coming off the field, rub it on the temples, rub it on the back of the neck, you know, add some magnesium in there, actually make a 50% magnesium with DMSO. You could just clean the skin. So there's no, when the sweating stops and the toxins stop coming out, clean the skin and spray it on and you will prevent things like brain bleeds. I mean, that's a death sentence, right? You know, all those skiers, they go, you know, they go and they have a fall and they feel fine, but then they're dead the next morning (laughs) from a subterminal hematoma. Yeah. I mean, Arnica and DMSO, there's your remedies for preventing subterminal (laughs) hematoma. That's kind of major, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. So this information is important and you know the the book and also videos i talk about it's anti-inflammatory it's better than an NSAID it is actually considered a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug uh better than aspirin no side effects yeah and it is uh supports the blood to clot properly and also um is uh a painkiller like a true true painkiller a true analgesic so that's usually people know it for pain and inflammation. That's kind of its claim to fame, but it does so, so many things. It basically heals all tissues um, and, and accelerates the healing 
of the body. Um, Anti-aging, grow back your hair. Um, you know, it's bacteriostatic, which um, sort of just, I think what's happening there is it's just slowing the activity and upregulating other systems. So the, the bacterial lineages are not required you know, at, at that time. Um, instead, you're upregulating detox mechanisms and so forth. And right. uh, even things will be pushed out from the skin. So it's, it's quite an incredible substance, but you do need to learn about it. You need to educate yourself, you know, and how to use it properly, how to dilute it, how not to carry toxins in through your skin, how to use it if you're on medications, because it can potentize your drugs and things that you're taking. So you have to be aware of that, you know, and also you can get stinky and, and you may lose friends because you stink from it. So you want to, you want to use it the right way and, and the right timing, but it's an incredible substance really. And is this something that's being used internally or topically, or as a mixture of both? Um, can you aerosolize it and inhale it for respiratory conditions? How do you actually uh, use it therapeutically? Yes. Well, in my book, I have a dilutions chart and that chart is specific for how you dilute it and what application for each percentage dilution. For example, I make eye drops. So 20% up to 40% can be utilized in the eye in a saline solution for cataract correction, even eyesight correction. People will tell me they started to use it for their cataracts and then they ended up throwing their glasses away and they were very surprised about that. Um, and because correcting tissue, correcting eye pressure. And then there's, you know, every orifice you can use it in essentially. So there's all different um, ways to properly dilute it so that it's not too intense because it can burn the skin in its higher levels. Um, all, yes, you can aerosolize it. You can use it in a nebulizer. Uh, I make blends of creams and lotions. I have an eczema lotion, for example, with chickweed, calendula, and DMSO. And that will help the skin get rid of the wastes that are sitting there agitating it, causing the rash. It will push things out of the skin and then uh, repair the skin quite quickly. Uh, and, you know, you can take it internally. You can drink it. It's usually one teaspoon and five ounces of water or juice a day is your generalized dose for internal use, uh, but it will be transdermally absorbed. So you can use it completely topically. And that's what it's claimed to fame is that it's transdermal, which means it'll absorb right into your skin and that it's a carrier and mobilizer of other molecules. So therefore it's, you know, if you pair it with something, you can take it in if the molecular weight is not too, too high. And some essential oils are kind of on that level where it might be a little too heavy for it to just drag it in, <laughs> but uh, it will carry things in topically. And that's why you can heal scars and uh, wrinkles and um, all kinds of, you know, discoloration of the skin and these sorts of things, because it's actually delivering what you're pairing it with and has its own healing properties. So you have a, you have a synergy there going in and doing a specific job at a specific area. So yes, all of those applications, even you can inject it and do IV with it and um, safely as well. Sorry, I muted myself. Yeah, there's so many applications there and uh, I'm gonna have to get your book and read it because 
I've been starting to use um, pure gum spirits of turpentine. I've been having some interesting experiences with that. And now I'm like, oh, I wonder what I can do with DMSO. So I'm really looking more now at these types of um, methods of healing. I want to get into using shilajit, uh, just looking outside the box a little bit rather than just going down that same line of here's a multivitamin. So yeah, I think the best way for me to probably learn is to get your book and just read that and start using it myself and, and getting firsthand experience. Do you think that's the best yeah. way to, to um, just jump in and, and start using it on yourself first and see? Yeah, I, I agree. Get? Yeah. For, for sure. Because because now you, that's how I learned. I, yeah. I bought some and I played around with it and I went, Whoa, this stuff is potent, man. I burnt myself. What the heck is this stuff? Right. Because I used it at 90% on my skin. Right. And the first time, Oh, it's tingly. I can taste it right away. It's kind of like making my skin warm, mm. right. And a bit of redness. And I was like, what the heck is this? It smells like, what is this? And that's what propelled me into doing research on it. But uh, I realized there's something here. Like you said, when you went to go look and there was hardly, it was like crickets out there, right? It was the same thing. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, this is clearly powerful because I've used all kinds of substances and this is, this action is wild and immediate and strong and whoa, I need to know. (laughs) And when you understand how to use it correctly, you feel more comfortable because a lot of people are worried and scared about doing it wrong or hurting themselves and that sort of stuff. So it's one of those substances you just need to have some knowledge. And that's why I did the book the way I did was that it's not too much. You know, I, I had to cut it right in half. Like that book was actually double the volume. Oh, wow. Yes. And I, in, it was all in scientific jargon. The entire book was originally written in a hundred percent scientific geeky language right. that nobody would have understood. Then I went back and I rewrote every sentence within layman's explanation. So it is as simple as you possibly can get it for anyone to just pick up and understand and then feel at the end. Oh, okay. I can do this. I've got this. This is easy. And it's not going to be one of those books where like, oh, I wish I could get through it. It's sitting on the nightstand. You know, I want it realistic and doable because my thinking is the more people who start to use it and start to feel com- confident, they will teach others, they will tell others, and then this will be uh, a longer, helpful, <laughs> you know, repercussion of it. Uh, so that's, that's probably the better way to go and use it on yourself and always do a test patch, see how you go and, and then try different methods with it, but blending, blending it at about a 50% level with either distilled water, aloe vera, or magnesium oil, something like that is a really nice place to start. Okay. I might give that a go. Yeah. And, and, um, do you recommend any specific brands and is this something that we can get on yum naturals? Do you actually physically sell this DMSO as well? Uh, on yumnaturals.store, I have two NPN numbered DMSOs that are allowed by health Canada. They are 90% with 10% water uh, and a gel as well. 
but on um, dmso.store, so I split my business into two basically and changed sort of how the DMSO was being handled because I'm in Canada and they don't want any, anything to do with it, honestly. So I had to, I had to outsource and <laughs> get creative <laughs> and everything's under private membership as well. Okay. Um, and, but under DMSO.store, you can get pure DMSO, the same 90% one, all the blends as well, the eye drops and that sort of stuff. So, so you can sort of get it a little bit in either place. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to uh, do that, get the book and start experimenting, I think. Now I've had some questions come through from some of my listeners and I actually think some of your listeners possibly as well. I know you've shared a few of my things over the last few months and I've had a few of your listeners come over to um, have a look at my telegram channel. And I've, I've got some questions here from some um, viewers and would you be happy to take some of those questions and answer them? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so the first one is about coffee enemas. So how often can someone do coffee enemas? Um, are we just doing them for good health maintenance or can we use them or use coffee enemas for various different treatments? How often do you recommend that someone do that, do that uh, coffee enema? And how do we actually oh, well, prepare the, the coffee enema? Okay. Uh, on yummy.doctor, if you go to the search bar and just write in coffee, you'll pull up all of my videos and blogs on coffee enemas. And one of those is a walkthrough video where I do an enema and I show you step-by-step step how to prepare one. Um, and uh, really what you question is what do I need? What are my health needs? You know, what are my generalized weaknesses in my body? Where do I tend to go? Or what am I a mesomorph or an endomorph? You know, all of those little factors of who you are, where your tendencies lie, uh, and what are your weaker systems? If you had surgeries before, is there previous damage? Are you vaccine injured? Because anyone who's had a shot is vaccine injured. Um, and uh, how to, what do you, what's your goal? What are you after? That's what the first question with the enemas. Now, as many as you want to do in a day is how many you are allowed to do in a day, because again, like, why are you doing it? So cancer patients, right, under the Gerson therapy method, they will take five enemas or six enemas per day. Per day. Uh, now that's per day. Yes. Right. So that is major blood cleansing, major action. That is like a very therapy, heavy therapeutic approach where there's assistance like with doing this, where they'll even wake them up in the night to give them a coffee. In. Um, so that's extreme, right? And then if you're just wanting to cleanse your liver, maybe monthly, maybe you want to do it weekly for a while, you know, again, what is your goal? So Generally, if you're new to it, I suggest start with one day a week, whatever your more relaxed day is, it could be a weekend. And that's when you run your enema earlier in the day is better in case it, you know, it's going to put a pep in your step. 
until you're a, a real coffee and a pro. I don't recommend doing it past, you know, six o'clock at night or anything like that. Um, and see how you go. And usually even before you do that with your enema kit, run just a distilled water enema first, just get a hang of the, of the gear, you know, how does that flow work? How, what height am I supposed to be at? Whoa, that was too high. Or, you know, can I make it to the toilet? (laughs) Should Mm. I take the nice rug away from the floor before it's coffee? You know, those sorts of technical details. So once you sort of do a dry wet run, um, then you can, the next round, you can do the coffee and see how you go, because that is a retention enema. You're meant to hold that for 13 to 15 minutes, right? Because you're washing the blood, that cough, the coffee acids are saturating the portal vein and all of this blood is being cleaned and grabbed. Those acids are like a pulling, cleansing, you know, putting all this gunk into the stool where it really belongs. So you flush it out and as well as increasing glutathione levels quite significantly, which as we know it uh, is, is an antioxidant, meaning it's sort of a sequester of the free radical moiety or the reactive oxygen species, you know, to calm the chaos <laughs> of your blood and of your um, intestinal tract as a whole. So that um, once a week is where you kind of go. And then you're like, you have to watch the addiction part, believe it or not. A lot of people get such a euphoria from doing coffee enemas that they can become addicted to it. So be very aware, not, yeah, it's, it's not a huge percentage of people, but I've seen it happen enough that I, I speak to it here and there, because if you're like, well, like that feeling I'm going to do twice a week. Okay. Do twice a week. That's all right. But if you're like, Oh, I really want want it every day. And now you're doing coffee and enema every day. Keep in mind that, you know, you're cleansing out your gallbladder too. You're remaking bile salts at that point. And you want to ensure that you're rebuilding your bile salts appropriately. You're not putting yourself into any sort of deficiency situation. It's kind of along the lines where the colonics will come in, right? They will, you know, usually they supplement you, you know, with things when they really do high colonics, that sort of stuff, because really it can damage your uh, gut bacteria and they're the ones making and manufacturing all your stuff, all your vitamins and things, right? Uh, so you can get into this deficiency state. Uh, and that's usually why I don't recommend high enemas in this very unique circumstances. And uh, enemas aren't so you know, volatile, obviously, but the same thing. Why are you doing it? How you know, take breaks and these sorts of things, let the gallbladder reset. You can't eat a lot of fats the day that you do it because you don't have your bile made. Uh, You need to be aware of what you're eating. Usually it's a day you juice. That's a day that you, you know, you do Gerson, you do juicing and a coffee and and meditation and yoga and barefoot walk and go to bed early. (laughs) That's, that's a day. That's a good self-care day. Um, not like I'm going to do coffee enema because I feel high. <laughs> that's that's uh-huh. just not the right way. To, you know what I mean? That motivation uh, needs to be looked at, <laughs> but it's a very powerful practice. So once a week 
And then usually I move to like a once-on-month maintenance protocol. And what's the difference between consuming coffee orally and coffee enemas? Because I've read some of the research around consuming coffee orally and I'm, I kind of am a little bit apprehensive about even consuming coffee anymore. Um, so there's obviously a difference there between an enema and a, a coffee drink. Oh, radically so. I mean, you got, I know they relate, the holes relate, but they are different. (laughs) Um, When you ingest this way and you absorb through the stomach area, the caffeine uh, actually affects the adrenal glands and you get that cortisol surge, that sort of fight or flight, that jittery, you know, Mm. you get it's why we're do, taking it orally is we're after the high again, right? We want the, the boost. We want to fun, feel like we're functioning when really ironically, um, when you stop coffee, which can take many months to really clean out, clear out and reset your nervous system. Cause I've done this test on myself many times. And for me, it's about two to three months where I'm actually normal, normal, meaning it's gone. It's out of my system. I wake normally properly no tiredness seven o'clock in the morning is the time that I want to wake up I don't need anything but water really or some juice or something um but when you take it you wake groggy and then you need it so it's this catch 22 but you wouldn't have been groggy in the first place if you just didn't do it at all but it's getting you there that's tough and usually I suggest to quit slowly by mixing it with shaga because shaga looks like coffee tastes sort of in that spectrum and you can blend it nice. You can just not shock your body through this harsh detox, which it really is slowly come out. Right. But, but rectally it will not affect your, um, your adrenals. It it just doesn't do it. So you don't have to worry about that jittery thing or not sleeping or, any of it. It's a completely different action that there's a two major acids that are used um, by the liver primarily. Um, and even there's like green coffee beans. There's a whole art to it. There's all kind. you know, are you going Colombian coffee or are you going, you know, there's, so there's different acid profiles. You can get real geeky with all these things, right? you know, but for the most part, you're avoiding drinking it for the adrenal normal you know the feeling of you just got almost hit by a bus now you're awake right that's a mm. fight or flight thing that burns out your adrenals the enemas will not will not do touch your adrenals whatsoever so you're good to go interesting okay um i have another question here and this is something that i i literally know nothing about so th- the question is can you talk a little bit about the benefits of molecular hydrogen machine therapy and which one is the best to get uh do you use distilled water first then the hydrogen machine and how many glasses per day so i'm assuming that you have some knowledge in this area i i've never been exposed to anything in relation to this so yes now i there are quite a few hydrogen or browns gas machines on the market and i've compared a lot of them there's a couple that are worthy very worthy um, I can't, there was one other that someone shared with me and it looked quite wet, quite good. It was a little bit less expensive. So you have to look at things like your budget and 
again, why do you want it? What are you using it for? What's your goal? You know, don't just throw your money away on something you're not going to use. That's not, that's do it with purpose. And then it'll, you'll feel good about it in lots of ways. But I've, um, I met George Wiseman many, many years ago. And um, we had, you know, an in-depth conversation. He's just so brilliant and he's an inventor. And I really just, how it started for me is I wanted a Brown's gas machine and he made a good one and he was always working on it and making improvements. And he was a really incredible man. So I didn't care how much it cost or I didn't care about that. I cared about the company and who this man was and I wanted to support his work. And he lost his wife to, to lupus. And he felt that if he had invented this on time, it would have saved her life. And so mission behind him is a passion behind him. So I support that. And I have three of his machines. <laughs> um, but why I like his is because it has an alarm on it. Uh, when the um, there's a pH where you have to use an alkalizing lye substance into the machine to create the, the, the fractionation of the hydrogen system. And, and you want to make sure you're, you're maintaining your machine levels. Uh, and so it, a lot of them don't have that feature where it tells you you're low or it gives, you know, gives you that feedback. So that's a nice little thing, but also it's gas that you inhale, breathe, which, uh, is giving you different, three different gases. So it's giving you the Brown's gas, giving you um, oxygenation, so an oxygen level, and it's giving you uh, H2. So it's giving you um, uh, actual um, hydrogen, pure hydrogen, and it helps to structure your water. So you've heard of easy water or the fourth stage of water or whatever. It helps you structure your, your waters. And now if we didn't have any structured water in our cells, we'd be dead. So we have that obviously, but this is adding to that. So you're reducing your chaos in your body. That's how I like to, that's how I feel what it's doing. That's how I think of what it's doing is when you're understanding water and the hydrogen relationship, you're thinking about ions, you're thinking about structure, you're thinking about easy water, and you're trying to enhance your body so that its electrical component is communicating well and manufacturing what it needs in the moment and repairing its own DNA systems, which it can when the water's right, because the DNA itself is, is a, this, the double helix part of it is a co- is from the coiling of the water because yeah. water always coils. So it's our easy water that's making our DNA. That's c- keeping our DNA frequency happy where it is. So that's why you can use tuning forks to change DNA frequencies or, or affect DNA and all of this. We're just really getting into this now, We're really just starting to understand this. Um, I just got my book from Arthur, Dr. Arthur Ling today. Very, very expensive, okay. another expensive book. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And again, I had to pay like $300 for this book, but it's- Is it Gilbert you know, Ling or Arthur Ling? Uh, sorry, Gilbert Ling. My right. Apologies. I was going to say maybe it was his long lost brother or something, and I'm missing out on some no. other information. <laughs> no, it's me and names. <laughs> me and names have a, a whole. <laughs> if you were in this brain, in this part of my, my brain, you would 
Yeah, I never had, I always had anxiety around names as a child. So I always will misspeak names. Yeah, because uh, one of my dance teachers would yell at me if I mispronounced her name. So right. it like did something. It was like a trauma, basically. So every time I'm like, what's your name? What's your name? <laughs> I'll remember. It. Yeah, I'll remember it. I will. I will. I promise it. <laughs> no, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so thanks for that correction. So that book and, and that information <clears throat> is helping us understand that, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't really have the structures that they say that cell biology, modern cell biology is telling us we have. A lot of these are artifacts that are manufactured out of the body through the processes of trying to actually deduce what is in the cell. And uh, so I'm eager to read that. It's really super geeky um, information, but in essence, it's saying that potassium is really what's key here and that there's no sodium potassium pump. That doesn't actually exist. That's all horseshit which is really cool because, you know, we studied the same material and that was a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> and we learn it and we see a cell like some sort of, I don't know, a mechanical structure with a drawbridge and, you know, horse and buggy coming in and out with goods and services and then leaving with the waste. Like this is, this is how we see the cells. And it's just not that complicated. Actually, it's like a bag of gel with pH, you know, hydrogen ions, you know, moving around and manufacturing things as it needs. And mainly it's like bacteria and, and other forms <laughs> doing a lot of it. And, you know, it's just, we've just grown up in such an illusion, but the hydrogen to me makes sense from a lot of that, because we're talking about, you know, functional pH. Um, and you can really heal a lot when you get your pH corrected in your different compartments and you also are fueling that electrical system. That's really what we are. I mean, we, why do we eat anything? Why do we take any supplement, right? To get us right down to that functional moment of life. Um, so yeah, that's the ones I just breathe it when I feel run down or um, I, you know, every so often I'll make the water. I just want to drink it or I, or I want to wash in it. It's really good for skincare. Um, and it's a welding machine, <laughs> so, oh, so really? you can weld with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I literally don't know much about it. So thank you for introducing me to that topic. I mean, there's so many things that I need to go and look into and I'm slowly, slowly working my way through these, uh, amazing healing therapies. We don't have much time left and, and I'm aware that you have, probably other things that you need to go and get done. So we might just do one more question. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, the question is regarding uh, fasting and uh, the differences between dry and wet fasting and whether or not these are great ways of helping the body to detoxify and, and clear toxins. Is dry and wet fasting something that you recommend to people? And, and why would you use one over the other? I always recommend wet fasting. I will always do so. Uh, we need to stop feeding the system and let the organs heal themselves. I mean, just, just plain out of, just from that perspective, stop eating, let it rest, let it do its own internal healing processes that it needs. Um, allow the metabolism to settle out, you know, just give everything a break. Mm. 
So I, I always support that, but water mostly is helpful during fast because um, you can, it will help flush a lot of the waste away. You're, it's like you're, you're flushing, you're, you're cleansing, right? Because it will, you will go into a cleanse when you fast because your body's going to take that opportunity to get rid of things. And also when you fast, you really should do an enema. You really should a couple enemas. You don't have to do them all the way through or anything. Just because if you stop eating, it stops stimulating your bowels and you do not want to have a bowel movement sitting there for how many days you're fasting. That's why a lot of fast will say like take fiber pills or Mm. something to have a poop. But the easier way would just be to stick a little hose up there and get her done. And you're clean as a whistle. (laughs) The whole tube has got its own, no obstructions and it can do its job. Dry fasting is like um, for experts in fasting. Uh, These are people who have gone on long fasts, long wet fasts already. They know the limits of their body. They have a specific goal in mind of what they're doing. They want to purge the old waters. You know, they want to um, encourage a different type of a reset in their body, which can be difficult to identify. And also depending on your lifestyle, if you are working nine to five and driving in traffic and this kind of, how are you going to have strength and energy to do your job? And there's a practicality around it. So, and when you go on vacation, are you going to want to drive fast? (laughs) You know, like it's, it's for people who live in tropical climates who don't have a day job. They can really focus on meditation and try fasting and saunas and stuff, right? Like, like look at Dr. Robert Kassar. He talks about dry fasting, the benefits. And I would suggest if you're interested in something like that, to go listen to his words. But it's not without risk. And there have been deaths from doing dry fasting. So I'm not one to just run out and say, go and do it. I don't, I wouldn't. I don't think I would even do it, to be quite honest. I don't feel that I need to. If I were seriously ill, and I mean death's door, I would probably just fast on urine therapy, on orin. I would just drink, I would just loop my urine all day long if I were that sick. I probably wouldn't dry fast. I would urine fast Mm -hmm. and heal myself, you know? So I'm sure there is a place for it, but it just seems really too dangerous for most people and even the experts like who've been doing, you know, it's almost like an extreme sport. That woman who more so recently died from dry fasting. I, I could see her, her personality. It was like some sort of competition that she had just come off a dry fast, you know, and she wanted to just jump right into a dry fast again. And that's what killed her. It's like, she, she felt so good, but it's like a high. It really, that's what I'm saying. People can get very addicted to these detox to detoxing. It's almost you know, like a bulimia. Like, she did like multiple back-to-back dry fasts. Yeah, that's full on. <laughs> My partner's it done a dry full fast. On. I think she only lasted um, just 48 hours, just. And we've done lots of wet fasting prior to this and built ourselves up. Um, but even that for her was like it wasn't easy to do. So um, yeah, doing multiple back-to-back seems full on. Yeah, I think th- that's what I'm saying. You have to make sure you're, you have a, some 
buddy that you can check in with or something you have it you, you don't do it by yourself this is something you do with others or you you know you need a support you need support you need someone to check in what if you get dizzy I had someone come to my clinic way at the beginning of my career who was dry fasting who decided to come out to a talk that was happening at my place and um I was informed that he had been fasting and I said well I need you to be sitting down and not wandering around the property or, you know, cause it's kind of a liability on me and this sort of thing. And ended up, he um, smoked weed, which was not even supposed to be on my property. So they went off and they smoked a giant dry fasting. No. And then so are you dumb? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. So what of course happens? He faints. Of course he faints. And what does he do? Smash his face open. Yeah. Good job, buddy. And then I get sued. And then he tries to sue me. Was, oh it, was a cra- it was the craziest thing oh I've ever seen. God. I'm like, of course, he, he didn't win that because he was reckless. He was behaving yep. rec- recklessly. Right? And all his, the friends that he even smoked with did not back him up. They're like, what are you doing? It was your mistake, you know? So just be, be careful with these. And I mean, if you have a clinic or you're, you know, practitioner, you have to caution people that this can happen. Mm. It can become addictive. You can get addicted to cleansing. And then I had a couple of patients where they wouldn't put anything in their body that had anything that might even relate to a toxin, like that really paranoid, paranoid. So there's, you know, it's everywhere. We know there's toxins and all, and all this stuff, but you've got to understand it's your mind that is really what's creating this whole thing ultimately. So get that, get that in control <laughs> and project wellness and, and, and work, you know, you don't have to worry and be in fear of all these things all the time because you'll just draw it to you. Um, but I do like stopping food and I do intermittent fasting like almost all the time, constantly. I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, unless I feel hungry in the morning when my digestive fire rises, as per TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, that's when I eat. That's, I listen to the digestive fire. If it tells me to eat, I eat. And if not, I don't. Otherwise, I'll just fast on water. And if I find myself fasting, then that will be a day I make sure I get enough sun and I go outside barefoot and, you know, I do extra care for myself during a natural sort of fasting time. And I'll make sure I take magnesium, like put magnesium on my body before bed and these sorts of things. Um, and it's, it's really about listening to your intuition and listening to yourself um, and trusting yourself over time, over a period of time. But it is a very powerful practice that I, I do support. Thanks, Amanda. Such a wealth of knowledge, and I always enjoy listening to you and, and speaking with you. So, Yum Naturals is your website where people can go and check out some of the topics that we've spoken about today. It sounds like you've got some really interesting information there, and then you've got your your store, which you were talking about before. Um, can you just uh, for the viewers remind us what those two websites were so they can go and get access to things like DMSO or check out your book. Yes. Uh, on So I have yumnaturals.store. That's a, products I make. My book is there. Um, if you just want the book, it's called healingwithdmso.com. So that's its own website, 
just for the book. Maybe if you want to like look at excerpts or something first, then you can find it there. But as well, it's on yumnaturals.store. And then the DMSO products are dmso.store uh, for all those. And then there's yummy.doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R. That's the domain. And that's the educational website, videos, blogs. And that's where the courses, classes, um, and protocols will be when I can keep <laughs> producing like a little machine <laughs> all these things. <laughs> but we'll get there eventually. It's a huge body of work. There's so much learning and so much information. And um, it's, it's really a, a true renaissance, you know, um, we're allowed to talk about controversial things again, sort of, <laughs> at least among ourselves. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to, you know, what the future brings for, for those of us who are walking, you know, a sovereign path and, uh, and not afraid to question things and uh, use harsh logic for making decisions on life and, uh, you know, accumulating the knowledge in the correct way again. And you're a big part of that too, Daniel. So I really appreciate what you're doing too, because it's, it's super important that we, that we open our minds again, that there's no settled science going on. Mm. <laughs> in fact, quite the opposite. And <laughs> we need to, to get that work done eventually. So, uh, so thank you. Thank you very much for, for having me here. No worries. Um, and you know, just as you were saying the name of your DMSO.store, it dropped out. So it, it is oh. DMSO.store for people who might've not been able to um, hear that. because there was a bit of interference or something there. So I'll, I'll put up the links in the show notes anyway, to your website. So people can go and check out that stuff. And yeah, I'm going to get your book and get some DMSO and start, uh, tinkering a little bit just just slowly um just to see what it's like and, and get some experience uh with it myself so yeah thank you for inspiring me to do that great well i look forward to your your feedback on that and what sort of experiences you have having the mind that you do you know the analytical and logical mind could be and obviously the experience of a practitioner so it's always lovely to uh to bring that into, into the new experiment as well. <laughs> so enjoy that. Thank you. I appreciate your time, Amanda. And I'm looking forward to jumping in and uh, having a look at the, some of the stuff on your website because I didn't realize that you had all of that additional information in there. So, yeah, what a wonderful resource. And uh, keep up the work with the Telegram channel. At least we have, we have that where we can openly have discourse and, and uh, communication. So I'm really uh, enjoying your post there too. Great. Thanks, Amanda. I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.